Marmalade. <laughs> I bet you were all wondering how I was going to pull this one off, right? <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> how else would I introduce this F word? <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Love on the Run. I'm your host, Lydia, from Let's Talk About Love, your relationship educator, coming here to you live from my little old studio out in St. Lazar, Woodsy St. Lazar with so many different topics related to love, sex, marriage, family. And today we are wrapping up the F word in a happy marriage series with the long-awaited and much overdue podcast, as always, <laughs> but where the Dutch say ficken and the Germans say fucken and the Irish say but I say, hey, wait a second, I'm not going to say anything like that. Not even remotely similar to that, <laughs> as it may offend someone, and I would never, ever want to do that to anyone, okay? Let alone you guys, my loyal listeners, and also because of media broadcast rules. So I'd like to keep it nice and straight. And doesn't faire l'amour have a much more beautiful ring to it anyway. So that's my last F word. It will be faire l'amour. <laughs> I know, I know some of you may be asking, but what does love have to do with it? Well, if that's the case, I'm really glad you're asking because you know, um, that's the whole point of this final and seventh F word series in a happy marriage. Today, we will be looking into love and sex, how they actually coincide and conflict in happy relationships. So what I have learned in my own personal and professional life is that love and sex, especially love and desire, can be just two very different things in our relationships. Two very different paths that oftentimes run parallel in our lives. But that we also just need to consciously learn and understand better when it comes to our committed relationships so that we can appreciate and manage our relationships better and live our lives more happily. So let me explain. The best way that um, I can put it to you is, I guess, the way one of my all-time favorite connoisseurs of the whole concept uh, of Voulez-vous coucher avec moi <laughs> states it. Now, she's also a renowned um, marital therapist and respected writer on the topic of love and desire. Her name is Esther Perel, and this is the way that she explains it. Love is something you have. Desire is something you want. But in a long-term committed relationship like a marriage, the question to ask is, can we want what we already have? In other words, she's saying, can we still desire what we already know? The billion-dollar question, huh? <laughs> And believe me, this has everything to do with maintaining a happy and healthy sex life together, okay? And it is definitely achievable. But sometimes it requires making a conscious paradigm shift, as in the willingness to look at each other, our relationship, and life 
with new eyes. And I like the way that she explains it because she looks at love and desire as like these two kind of separate entities where um, she basically goes on to explain that love and desire speak two different languages. Love thrives in an atmosphere of reciprocity, protection, and congruence, whereas desire is more about feeling alive and often even more selfish. In fact, at times, the very elements that nurture love, such as comfort, stability, safety, for example, can extinguish desire. Because love is something that you have and desire is something that you want. And believe me, when I say I already see this and the way that this unravels in my newlywed couples, especially those who are parenting together, I can tell you honestly, unequivocally, that these are very much two different paths that relate and conflict. If any group feels the blatant dichotomy between love and desire, it's this parenting group. And I've seen this. I mean, just think about parenting. Parenting, what do you think about when you think of the word parenting? For me, parenting equals family, equals comfort, equals security, uh, equals predictability. I mean, think just how couples get so caught up in, and oftentimes in very rigid ways with their routines and schedules, right? It's all about their kids. The kids need to eat at a specific time, sleep at a specific time, nap, play, right? Well, there also needs to be this sense of familiarity about parenting. So there's this huge focus on creating a comfy feeling for the entire family, right? Okay, so nurturing, making sacrifices, as in relinquishing your needs, are also often made for the sake of the family, right? You give yourself up for the sake of taking care of your wee ones. I mean, think about it. This is where many trade in the Harley for a minivan. But seriously, think about the parenting couple who work so hard at creating this unit and who oftentimes have very little energy left over for one another. Other than flopping down in the familiar, cozy family couch together night after night, looking forward to another loving day spent together as a family. I mean, it's a beautiful picture. And family life flourishes under a routine like that. But desire? Eh, not so much. And although sex makes babies, it's quite actually the mental script of what we know as family that can flatline desire. I want you to think of it this way. It butts heads with desire because desire is more alive. Think about desiring something or someone. It's more alive, it's more energetic, it's less constrained, it's more carefree, it's more separate, more sexy, even more selfish, as in separate from togetherness in the sense of caretaking, nurturing, and all the family responsibilities involved. 
I think a good way to think about desire is how you felt towards your partner. Yeah, think about how you felt towards your partner during the earlier stage of your relationship, the earliest stage, in fact, especially BC, before children. Do you remember before you were like ever officially a couple or just starting out as a couple in a committed relationship? Well, think back to that time, to how you used to think about your beloved, how you missed them and anticipated seeing them to how when you used to think about finally getting together and having sex, whoa, all of your senses would come alive, right? The wanton, the excitement, the seduction. Now that's desire. And if you really think about it, that desire was also built upon the absence makes the heart grow fonder analogy. Desire is about the mystery, the unknown or the sheer delight in the possibility that you can even be your beloved's chosen one because you weren't too sure to begin with that anyway, right? Wow! <laughs> one could almost say that there was this bliss in the uncertainty of it all. Desire. Now, I know many of the women that I have worked with in my Marriage Interrupted workshop as well as the sex on the menu workshop, have told me countless times that it's hard to feel sexy when you're a mom. <laughs> you're too stressed and worried or too tired or upset with your partner because they don't get it or, or even often share the same feelings that you do. So many women feel like they don't even have their bodies back to normal or can't even bother to notice they have a body when it's always covered by sweatpants and t-shirts which are sometimes soaked in spit and stain. <laughs> but you know what, I definitely get it. I understand these women because in order for a woman to feel sexy and desirable, she needs to know that she's the turn on, right? <laughs> I mean, we understand how we work and what's part of our arousal and desire mechanism. So these women don't feel sexy because they can't own sexy. Or sometimes you do meet the men, the dads, in fact, who are, in, who are tired as well and, and oftentimes are so worried, so much so, about the security of their family, especially, you know, the finances and all of that. So they also don't feel sexy or in the mood. Yes, they too love their families and they worry. And so this is the discrepancy between love and desire, which often plays out in the parenting stage. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi becomes literally more about sleeping at this stage of your life and sometimes even alone or in shifts. Because the thing that's so important is to catch up on your Z's, as we say, to catch up on your sleep, to regain your energy. But oftentimes leaving couples languishing in the lament, waiting for that day to be able to get swept away again by the love and the desire that they once knew. 
Both men and women in many loving relationships trade off what Esther Perel calls the adventure for the predictability. Remember the Harley versus the minivan? That's exactly what love versus desire may mean. And this is what I'd love for you to try to understand a little bit more. There's absolutely no problem if both partners are on the absolute same wavelength of sex, having taken a hike or being uh, thrown in, you know, tossed to the side for a while, being not important, um, you know, not requiring resurrection and uh, a mutual understanding. But for those who believe that sexual desire is an important and ongoing part of their relationship and are less willing to accept the loss of it, then reinstating, reevaluating, and reconnecting becomes key. Satisfied with suffering is really non-negotiable. And even research tells us happy couples love to faire l'amour, not just because they know it's good for you. Yes, sex actually makes you more happy, more optimistic, healthier. It actually gives you better arterial blood flow, a healthier immune system. But did you know that it's also a positive feedback loop that you create? So what this means is that getting physical can ramp up the pleasure for you and your partner. Any activity that gets your heart beating faster and you breathing harder, from uh, brisk walking to cycling, uh, can boost blood flow, including to your nether regions, yeah. And that's a plus for both genders. Stronger erections for men and greater arousal for women. Yes, a whopping 169%, I'll have you know more. That's amazing. That was um, concluded in one University of Texas study. But listen to this one. In another study uh, out of Harvard, researchers there found that male and female swimmers in their 60s, yes, age 60s, had sex lives similar to people 20 years younger. Caramba! <laughs> Swimming builds endurance, boosts blood flow, improves flexibility and strength, and slashes stress. It also burns some serious calories. So definitely exercise is a form of aphrodisiac <laughs> for desire. Exercise is definitely one of the daily things we can do to get the juices flowing again. And in the end, your heart will definitely thank you. <laughs> but I also want you to think about how another organ, such as your brain, not what's between your legs, but what's sitting on top of your neck, how that, how your mind impacts your sex life. Because how you think and participate in daily life with each other, the thoughts and the feelings that you walk around with, can automatically put a damper in desiring one another. How, you ask? Well, first of all, how you live life and how you behave with one another will reverberate into the bedroom. It's actually about how you turn yourself on and off daily that counts here. And I'm not, remember, I'm not just talking about sex. You see, 
owning your pleasure almost always begins outside of the bedroom. First of all, do you like to feel good? Ask yourself. Do you enjoy life? Do you enjoy the little pleasures in life? It's actually quite simple. For instance, do you give yourself permission to finish, like really savor and finish your cup of coffee in the morning, knowing that other things can wait? Like, I don't know, the laundry or your long to-do list that you're rehearsing in your head. Well, if the answer is yes, that's you owning your pleasure. Pleasure is also about taking care of your body and nourishing it with energy, like every day if you go jogging. Pleasure is also about lingering in a bubble path and, and allowing the silky aroma assuage your body in delight. Pleasure is about oh, cranking up the music and combusting in an explosion of pure joy and, and body-moving ecstasy. I mean... Pleasure allows you to turn on to your desire. Now think about how you may be turning yourself off every day. Hating your job, perhaps? Feeling sorry for yourself at the end of each day? Knowing you have to go back to that job the next dreaded day and the day after that? And maybe you're bringing that type of energy, that type of attitude home with you day after day? Now that's like turning yourself off because you're turning yourself off not only just from the joy but possibly from your own relationship. This I perfectly know pretty well because I did that. I left my job over 20 years ago to finally pursue, you know, in creating Let's Talk About Love. So I, I, I understand that. But think about other negative mental scripts like constant worrying or telling yourself you're not pretty enough or not good enough or sexy enough or whatever enough. Each time you sit down to dinner with your partner, here's a good one, each time you sit down to dinner with your partner with your iPhones by each side, you know, and you meant for it to be a dinner for two, but all of a sudden it's become dinner for four because you know you're going to be distracted by all the beeps and the different other signals and sounds that stem from those damn smartphones. But anyways, yeah, my, my, my point being is that you're actually turning yourself off because you aren't really ever fully engaged with your partner if all these negative things come into play. Each time, for example, you go to bed with your favorite binge-watching episodes, exhausting season after season, or even your iPad night after night, immersing yourself with this digital streaming nonsense instead of connecting with your partner, well, once again, unintentionally, you are turning yourself off. Well, okay, maybe not if you're, like, watching porn together or something. <laughs> But I hope you get my drift, okay? What I'm trying to seriously help you see is that much of what we may be struggling with when it comes to love and desire in our lives actually stems from an unconscious but yet easily understandable place if we're willing to examine it, right?
If we just take the time to think through some important concepts, such as considering the way we live out our daily lives, what's on our minds, for instance, okay, and the behaviors that we choose, okay, whether it's alone or with one another, I think we can get a clearer picture and probably even a more compassionate picture of what it means to straddle the paths of love and des desire in our lives. Sometimes it requires making a conscious paradigm shift, as in the willingness to look at each other and life with new eyes. In this way, we can become more conscious and conscientious in managing and maintaining a healthier, happier sex life with one another too. And if you actually take a look at the last thing that I blogged about, it was about uh, kinky sex, education for eroticism. That's the theme that I wrote about last time. So just go to www.letstalkaboutlove.ca. You're going to uh, hit upon a few questions that are going to make you realize how you communicate with your partner around the topic uh, of sexuality and especially, you know, glean some major um, learnings, I think, from uh, the way love and desire may uh, relate and conflict in your own personal relationship. So just go to www.letstalkaboutlove.ca via my Lydia on Love blog and you're going to see the following questions. One, how do you see yourself as adventurous, curious, playful, open, rigid, reserved? Now, how do you see your partner? Do these labels actually help or handicap your relationship? Remember, mental scripts, that's what I want you to think about. Do you build each other up or bring each other down? Think of the actions, your behaviors. Is there a lot of fondness and appreciation expressed for each other? How do you live your own life? Are you more of a participant or a spectator? Do you live to work or do you work to live? Do you have a pleasure-loving side? Do you give yourself permission to play? And how do you play? What does sex mean to you? What would make sex more meaningful to you? What does intimacy mean to you? When do you feel most erotic? What do you prefer, want, or need? Are you comfortable asking for what truly works for you? Or do you dismiss your needs or put up a wall? And is this wall more about your values, morals, expectations, or body image issues? When do you feel inhibited in your relationship, not just sexually? Are you holding yourself back because of certain inhibitions? Or is this barrier born from your relationship somehow? What's negotiable and what isn't? Why? How do you experience giving sexually, taking or owning pleasure? Do you feel worthy of pleasure? Do you like to initiate or do you prefer to surrender? Which of the five senses is your favorite? Touch, smell, taste, sight, sound. Do you ever feel fear, guilt, or shame? When? 
How and when do you feel love? How and when do you feel desire? What do you long for? How were you loved as a child? And how do you make love today as an adult? What, if anything, is difficult for you to express? Can you recognize and separate your needs, your wishes, feelings, and desires from others? So here you go, lots of great questions to help you discover your own erotic love map, right? Bring your partner on board, put away those iPhones already, and have that conscious and creative conversation. It's so important to bring in the initiative into our lives, into our committed relationships, to be intentional and to use your imagination, use our imagination, right? So in conclusion of this podcast and our last F word in a happy marriage series called Faire l'amour, well, allow me to leave you with the message of your sexual desire is deeply connected to the way that you feel about yourself. And if you're wanting to explore this theme in more detail, please don't hesitate to contact me. You can always reach me at 450-458-1450 or Lydia, that's L-Y-D-I-A, at letstalkaboutlove.ca. And never forget that, you know, you can get all this wonderful free information which is available to you at my website, letstalkaboutlove.ca, and my Facebook page too. So please be my friend. <laughs> be well, everyone, and thanks for listening. See you here back quickly, shortly, soon, hopefully next time. Bye.